Welcome to Native New Health. Let's get started. Native New Health will address specific health concerns that plague our people. So the first step is regular exercise. try this at home. It's up to you what you like to put on, but it's very simple and quick. Exercise regularly. We cannot emphasize this enough. And welcome to Native New Health, an exciting program designed for Native people by Native people. Today we are here at the studios of SAFE TV. As we continue our Native New Health series, it is our hope that you find the joy of a healthier lifestyle. So join us and discover new ways to enhance your life. I'm Ed Dunn. And I'm Gina Gabosh, and I'm so glad that you could be here with us today. Let me ask you a question. How fit are you? Is there room for improvement in your life? As we consider our world today, and particularly the Indigenous populations, we can say that we are in trouble. That's right, Gina. As unhealthy Western habits replace our traditional culture, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease are overtaking our Native communities at an alarming rate. That is why today we are bringing you this episode on understanding physical fitness to help you and your family be better fit and to choose a healthier lifestyle. So what happened? Why are our Native communities today among the worst health-wise of any people groups? Well, Ed, the fact is that we have forgotten many of our good traditional ways. Until Indigenous people stopped using feet as transportation, cultivating crops, hunting, fishing and gathering food, building their own homes, and even performing general life-sustaining chores like finding firewood, they possessed little body fat. These physical activities burn thousands of calories, and do we need that today? Ralph LaForge has a Master of Science. He spends about half of his time as a consultant to the Cherokee Nation in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and to the U.S. Indian Health Service in the Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Alaska Native communities. LaForge explains that the Aleuts, indigenous to the beautiful Aleutian Islands, live in small villages of several hundred people at most, with vast distances between communities. In an earlier study between 1990 and 2001, when major modernized changes arrived to that area, the Aleut people showed an alarmingly 73% increase in diabetes rates. That is the greatest percentage increase among Alaska Natives over a 10-year period. Imagine that. Unfortunately, this is now the reality in many of our Native villages where carbohydrates and processed store-bought food have moved in, replacing traditional foods. Yes, we have changed from walking to the use of snowmobiles and four-wheelers, and from the use of our traditional foods like plants, berries, game. And now we are eating pizza soda and ice cream. We must regain the habit and the joy of exercising and sense the physical empowerment that comes when we are strong and fit again. 
Yes, the emphasis should be on getting people moving with a more purposeful exercise routine, not so much about walking on a treadmill to nowhere. The results of progressively choosing a sedentary lifestyle have been devastating for the health of our native communities and the future of our children. I think it is high time for us to take hold of our future and to choose our healthier lifestyle, don't you think? Absolutely, Ed. And that is why we want to talk to you today about practical and simple ways to enjoy the benefits of physical fitness. It's significant to note that way back before natives were westernized, comments were made by some Europeans about the physical beauty of indigenous peoples. Christopher Columbus remarked in his diary of October 12 and 13, 1492, about the native peoples he encountered. They are very well formed, with handsome bodies and good faces. All alike have very straight legs and no belly, but are very well formed. Jay Carver, who wrote about his observations in the area in the 1760s, commented upon seeing some native youngsters. I saw about 20 naked young Indians, the most perfect in the shape and by far the handsomest of any I had ever seen. I think all of our young people today should be an example of optimum health. What do you think? I certainly do, Gina. So let's continue to explore how to be better fit. The Wikipedia library says that fitness is the quality of being suitable to perform a particular task. So what this means, Ed, is that if you have to bend over to pick up your shoe, you are not going to creak like an old rusty hinge or worse. And you may not even see the shoe because your belly is in the way. Or if you have to run after your little child who is walking out in the street, you won't have a heart attack before you get there. Yes, let's get fit again for our own sake and for our family's sake. Okay, but before starting any physical program, please consult with your doctor. We want to be sure it's okay for you to enter into a physical activity program. So besides looking good and feeling better, we must ask, why is fitness so important to our body? Well, the immediate reaction in our bodies is that it increases blood flow to all the parts of our body. This reaction purifies our system, making us not only feel better, but actually be healthier. An old saying goes like this, perfect health depends upon perfect circulation. So let's be smart and exercise. A well-rounded fitness program will improve a person in all aspects of fitness, rather than just one. There are several attributes of fitness, including strength, endurance, power, speed, balance, and coordination. When exercise is performed with the correct amount of intensity, duration, and frequency, a significant amount of improvement can occur. It may take a little time to be noticed, but the most important thing is to stay with it. Another important point is that in order for physical fitness to benefit the health of an individual, they will have to experience exertion. In other words, you need to make an effort. You have to sweat it out. No pain, no gain. So, a good exercise workout must provide a demand on the body function, and this demand must eventually increase little by little over an extended period of time. So Gina, what does all this mean to you and to me today? What do we need to do? Here's the bottom line, Ed. Get moving. 
do something. Move your arms, your legs, but let's get moving. For instance, simple walking is a great start. You can exercise alone or you may join a group of people, but get moving. You'll be glad you did. The physical activity guidelines for Americans suggest that all adults should avoid inactivity. Some physical activity is better than none, and adults who participate in any amount of physical activity will gain some health benefits. Now, if you really want to see some substantial health benefits, here is what you can do. Adults should do at least two hours and 30 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise, or one hour and 15 minutes a week of vigorous intensity physical aerobic activity. For even more extensive health benefits, you should increase the physical aerobic activity to five hours a week. Now that will really make a difference. Studies have shown that exercising at a higher intensity has increased cardiac benefits for humans compared to when exercising at a low or moderate level. Research revealed that it can be very successful for reducing fat, especially around the abdominal region. Because your body continues to work from the energy expended when you stop the exercise, it will also increase the amount of fat burned after the exercise is finished. There is no question that exercising has positive effects, not only on your body, but as a way of preventing diseases, such as controlling blood pressure. And it can actually be relaxing. It will also improve cholesterol levels, a key component that correlates with heart disease and type 2 diabetes. You see, staying active and exercising regularly builds up a stronger heart. How about cancer prevention? Does exercise have any benefits on preventing this problem? Let us be clear, it is understood that cancer is not a disease that can be cured by physical fitness alone. However, in recent studies of some 1.4 million American and European adults ages 19 to 98, it shows that physical exercise lowers the risk of some 26 cancers. The study said the range of reduced risk ran from 42% for esophageal cancer to 10% for breast cancer. For colon and lung cancer, the risk was lowered 16% and 26% respectively. Furthermore, the American Institute for Cancer Research published a list of recommendations that reflect the evidence they have found through consistency in fitness and dietary factors that directly relate to cancer prevention. These recommendations are also widely supported by the American Cancer Society, as well as help toward the control of a multitude of other chronic health problems. People who are at risk for diabetes type 2, insulin resistant especially, benefit greatly from physical activity. You see, regular exercise activates a better usage of insulin and protects the heart, thus decreasing the risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Now, let us learn some good tips on safe physical fitness from an expert. Hello, my name is Rafael Pardero. I'm a licensed physical therapist, and I work every day with patients of all different limitations, ages, arthritis, post-hospitalization. My goal is always to create a program that they can work with despite any limitations they might have because nobody's going to do an exercise program that hurts or that is too difficult to do. So there are three 
basic principles that you can apply to any exercise program that will allow for you to adjust the difficulty of it, increase it or decrease it according to your personal limitations, whether it be joint limitations or weakness limitations. Uh, the first is going to be range of movement. There are ways to adjust your range of movement in your knees and your hips and all the other activities we're going to do. That would be the first area that you can adjust in order to increase or decrease the difficulty of what you're doing based on your limitations. The second is going to be repetitions. So if you're starting off, you always want to start with a lower number of repetitions so that your body can get used to it. So starting off with five repetitions, 10 repetitions of whatever activity that you're doing. Work yourself up to 15, 20, 30. Usually with my patients, 30 repetitions is the top number. At that point in time, you enter into the third area that you can adjust, which is gonna be resistance. So if I'm lifting my hands over my head with nothing in my hands or no rubber bands, then I'm gonna be dealing with no resistance. It's gonna be as easy as it can be. If I wanna make it more difficult, I have patients who will use, instead they don't have weights, they'll use canned food, bottles of water, they'll put a couple of canned foods into a tube sock. There's ways that you can create resistance without having to go and spend a lot of money buying toys at the store. So I'm gonna go over a couple exercises to do in sitting with a couple of principles and rules to watch for and then a couple to do in standing. And the goal is that uh, we focus on every major joint in the body and address it in every direction that it moves. So there are four exercises for the arms, four for the legs in sitting, and then four in standing. So with the leg exercises, we're gonna start off with a circulation exercise for the lower extremities, which are simply gonna be foot taps with heel lifts. So it's a heel to toe exercise. You bring the feet up, tap them down, bring the heels up, drop them down. Then we're gonna be doing a kicking exercise where you kick up and you kick down. Now this one is important to keep specific because the tendency is to do something like this, which is basically a cheat. You wanna keep the knee and act it as a hinge up and then set the foot back down again. Up and set the foot back down again. That works your quadriceps muscle. Now we're gonna focus on hip flexion, which is lifting and stomping. This is an important exercise because it contributes to walking. If you have a shuffling gait where you're not lifting your feet high enough, this is a way to improve the ability for your foot to clear the ground as you're walking. So again, it's just up and down. And then we're gonna work on the inner and outer hip muscles, which is squeezing and opening and squeezing and opening. You can put a pillow in between your knees for resistance if you want, and it's just to squeeze and to open. With the arms, we're gonna focus on lifting up and down. Now if you have shoulder problems, this is ten generally one of the ones that tends to be a little more difficult. So this is where you can adjust the height where you're only going up a little bit versus going up all the way. Again, resistance can be added with bottles of water, canned food, so on and so forth. You're going to have one called row, we call it row the boat, which is just out and forward like you're rowing a boat. And then opening and closing. And then punching bag. Okay? And these exercises work the shoulders in all the primary ranges with which they move. So with all these exercises, what you want to be focusing on is how often do you do them in a day and how many repetitions are you going to be doing each time. I always say to start off light, which is going to be a 5 to 10 repetitions, pushing yourself up to 20 to 30 repetitions. And then depending on how debilitated you are or active you are, you're going to be focusing on 
one to two times a day up to three to five times a day, just depending again on how active or inactive you are and how aggressive you are wanting to get in getting better. Always ramp yourself up and before you start an exercise program, be sure to consult your doctor for any possible limitations. With regards to exercise, just keep in mind slow, deliberate movements. We don't want fast movements. We want everything to be slow and controlled in order to gain maximum benefit from every motion. So I showed you a few sitting exercises, now to a few standing exercises. So we're starting off with tiptoe exercises, up and down on the toes. You can do double leg, and if you wanna make it more difficult, single leg, okay? The position of the knee does affect it, so if the knee is straight versus bent, that's gonna address a different muscle in your lower leg. And we're talking about a side kicking exercise. This works on stabilizing the hip muscles with regards to movement and walking and then a foot clearance exercise, which is gonna be up and down like you're stomping your foot. Sometimes stomping one at a time can be difficult, so we'll alternate back and forth as if you're marching. That's another variable. Finally, the most careful exercise is gonna be mini squats. You're holding onto the chair, back is straight, and you're just going up and down. You're not going way down. You don't wanna bother the knees. This can be painful, so I want to make sure you abbreviate the motion so that you're able to accomplish it without significant discomfort. So a couple final things I want to touch on. A lot of times people wonder how long should this take, 30 minutes, an hour, 10 minutes. Um, the goal and the focus shouldn't be how long or how short. It's just to go through the exercises slowly and competently with the reps that you can tolerate. Generally speaking, it takes about 20, 30 minutes or so to go through this slowly and carefully. I have patients that break it up where they'll do the legs at one point in time, the arms a little bit later, and then the standing exercises at a different time frame. You can adjust the combination of exercise in any way that works for you. So always remember to consult your doctor before beginning an exercise program. You want to ensure that all the motions and activities that we're able to do are approved by your doctor and safe with regards to your specific situation and diagnoses. Also always remember water. Drink water, hydrate. It's a very, very important component with regards to activity. As Ed and Gina has said earlier, walking overall, if you have to choose an activity, it's one of the best and most complete exercises. It takes into account all the different motions that I've shown you with the exercises so far. Well, thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed the outdoors as much as I have today. Uh, again, my name is Rafael Pardero, and I hope you enjoy the exercises, and uh, have a blessed day. So, among many other benefits, being physically fit regulates body weight, insulin resistance, sex hormones, inflammation, and a healthy immune system. Yes, and individuals who keep up physical fitness levels generally regulate their distribution of body fat, specifically visceral or abdominal fat. This is most directly affected by engaging in aerobic exercise. Here is another amazing positive effect of physical activity. Neuropsychological effects is a big word, but what you need to remember is that when you exercise, even your brain works better. Regular exercise is effective in preventing the age-related decline in cognition or mental ability and improving overall neuropsychological function. Also, Exercise has positive antidepressant effects. It has been found to serve as both a means to prevent and treat drug addictions, particularly psychostimulant addictions. 
truly physical exercise is a wonderful activity with amazing positive benefits. As a woman's body changes with age, there can be physical, physiological and internal changes to the body. Pre or during menopause, these changes can be prevented or reduced with the use of regular exercise. Remember, about 30 minutes a day would do wonders for you. An inevitable fact of life is aging, and as the years go by, both muscle and bone mass decline, but that's mainly because of decreased levels of activity. Diet and exercise are important determinants of bone and muscle strength, and the choices we make today will strongly influence muscle and bone health as we age. And preventing muscle wasting, which generally occurs at a rate of 1% per year in older adults, is important because it lowers the risk of falls and associated injuries. Preventing bone loss is also very important because for every 10% decline in bone mass, there is an approximate doubling of fracture risk for both men and women. But it's not all bad news. So Ed, why don't we take a look at what we can do to strengthen our muscles and bones? As we saw earlier, Gina, aerobic exercise has a significant benefit on your skeletal muscle strength and function. For example, the size of fibers in the calf muscle increased by 12% in older adults who walked or jogged for 45 minutes three times a week for 10 months. That's a lot and older adults who rode a stationary cycle for 45 minutes three times per week had a 128% increase in oxidative capacity of their muscle tissue. You see, when we exercise, we will not only be increasing muscle fiber size, but we will also increase blood to muscle tissue. This is very encouraging, Gina. It's as if we're growing up all over again. And this is a good thing because it will help strengthen the heart and improve our overall health. Friends, what we must realize is that when we become a couch potato, we will experience rapid bone loss. You see, bone loss occurs under conditions of unloading, such as bed rest or just sitting around not moving. But in contrast, loading, whether from weight-bearing activities such as walking or from the pull of muscle contractions in resistance training, like moderate weightlifting or elastic band pulling while standing, provides a stimulus for the uptake of calcium into the bones. Even just plain walking is associated with a reduced risk of hip fracture. So, let's go for a walk today. What do you say? I wholeheartedly agree, Gina. And now, let's talk about the importance of starting early on kids and fitness. Recent studies forecast that the obesity epidemic has gone global and that by 2025, one in five people around the globe will be obese. Amazing. How could this be, you ask? Well, a new study in The Lancet says that if current trends continue, 18% of men and 21% of women will be obese by 2025. The obesity epidemic may be worse than most thought. In 1975, 2.6% of the world's population was obese, but by 2014, that number jumped to 8.9%. 
The study shows that high-income English-speaking countries such as Australia, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, the United Kingdom and the United States account for more than a quarter of the world's severely obese people. But the United States still takes the cake. More than one in four severely obese men and one in five severely obese women lives in this country. By 2025, the study estimates 43% of women and 45% of men in the United States will be obese. If this sounds like a lot, consider that 8 to 18-year-old adolescents spend an average of 7.5 hours a day using entertainment media, including TV, computers, video games, cell phones, and movies in a typical day and only one-third of high school students get the recommended levels of physical activity. But it's not all bad news. There is hope out there. Dr. Rati, an associate clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard, in his book, Spark, the Revolutionary New Science of Exercise in the Brain, makes a strong argument for more physical education in our schools. However, the kind of physical education he suggests is not the typical program emphasizing competitive sports. It's about teaching student fitness. And not just in high school, but for life. He reports extensively about the Naperville, Illinois school system, which boasts a student body of 19,000 and one of the fittest in the United States. For example, only 3% of Naperville sophomores are obese versus the national average of over 30%. But even more impressive is the fact that fit students tend to perform better academically. Dr. Rate says, the point I've tried to make that exercise is the most powerful tool to optimize your brain function is based on evidence. In one study at Columbia University, neurologist Scott Small put a group of volunteers on a three-month exercise regime and then took pictures of their brains. The capillary volume in the memory area of the hippocampus increased by 30%, a remarkable change. Hey, here's another great idea for you and your kids to keep fit and healthy. The President's Active Lifestyle Challenge and the Let's Move initiative. This is a great program aimed at increasing opportunities for kids to be physically active, both in and out of school, and to create new opportunities for families to exercise together. Gina, it's important to note that the family physical activities were an intricate part of our native culture for centuries. Games, play, and sports were played by all. Men and women played a variety of active sports, such as stickball, horse racing, numerous ball games, canoe paddling, running, snow snake, hoop and pole, and swimming. Yes, that's right, Ed, and there was a strong cultural connection between playing and a player's identity. A game might be played in hopes of healing the sick, ensuring a good harvest, to strengthen kinship ties and out of respect for the Creator. Wow, there are a lot of good things that we can do to get moving, be better fit, and to choose a better lifestyle, don't you think? Absolutely. And here is a website where you can find out more about this simple and yet comprehensive program. So, physical activity helps control weight, builds lean muscle, reduces fat, promotes strong bones, muscle and joint development, and decreases the risk of obesity. Also, it helps you to think better and to be happier. 
The Book of Heaven says that a happy heart is good as medicine. With all these good results, why wouldn't we want to choose a better lifestyle? And the long-term goal is to continue this active lifestyle after the six to eight week challenge is over. I'm in, Ed. Let's purpose today to start a better lifestyle program and to get better fit. Let's get moving. What do you say? I say yes. And so until next time, we look forward to meeting with you again for another episode of Native, Native New Health. Health.